delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello and welcome to episode 479 of The Two Techies for Saturday, September 7th, 2019. This is the week's most notable tech stories in around an hour or less in podcast form. It has been for the last nine and a half years. On this week's episode, the next generation iPhone. Google prompt an angry response from Apple. And do mobile phones cell phones have a place in schools thank you for taking the time to download listen to stream or any of the above, or anything else, um, to the the show, episode 479, the first in September, it's the first week of September, or well, it's actually the, the end of the first week of September. We were meant to have an episode last week, just due to a few scheduling conflicts and so on, that didn't happen, so we've been away for two weeks, and in that time, we've had enough happen to talk about, to warrant a, a very good episode. We're almost out of that lull for July and August that tech just kind of slows down. The thing about technology is it never stops and there is always something to talk about. And that's why we've had just episode after episode after episode for the last nine and a half years, 479 episodes, whatever. And we we could easily produce double of that and still have plenty to talk about. And it's just whittling down what, what we want to push out and what we don't, what we specialize or they specialize, what we focus on. We'll not, we'll not go as far as to say special. But focus on is technology news and technology developments from the main companies in the technology realm and try and take a different angle of attack on it sometimes as well, just to, to stay different. This week, um, as we said at the start there, the, the next generation iPhone, there's been a, an event announced by Apple that is happening this Tuesday, the 10th of September, and we know what we're probably going to see from it. We'll discuss that later. Google have done something to just rattle Apple's cage a little bit too far. Apple have now spoken out publicly and it's all getting a little bit messy. And then mobile phone as well if we have time to talk about it sometimes these these apple stories and, and google stories and microsoft they do take a little bit longer so if it needs to be we'll push it to next week we'll see how it goes but it's definitely an interesting discussion because half of parents according to a survey don't think mobile phones have a place in schools the other half say they do what's the right answer or is there a right answer here and 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 it's a, a problem that's developing i guess because whilst mobile phones have been out for yeah mainstream 10 15 20, 20 years i guess we'll go now really it's only in the last 10 15 that they probably have been making their way into schools and as they get more and more elusive the problem probably gets bigger and bigger if there is a problem calling it a problem we haven't looked at it yet we will either this week or next week until then we'll go to the quick news before we do hello Aaron. hello i just want i just want to take a couple of minutes of your time and you know how this always ends okay i'm going for me and i apologize <laughs> right. slightly I'll be back in an hour. Exactly, yeah. I think we had, I can't actually remember, but I know on the show recently we talked about IKEA announcing their smart blinds, and you definitely made fun of me at that point, probably rightfully so, for being moderately excited about said smart blinds. Mm. <laughs> um, I think we last spoke about See, it I know where this is going. Oh, no yeah. Else does. Well, I mean, anyone can guess, I think, at this point. Um, I think we last spoke about because they weren't going to be launching with HomeKit support. And you know how much I've been waiting for these things things for like two years now ever since the uh the 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 murmurings had come out of ikea that they were making such things i've been moderately excited for because i think the last thing i needed to complete my smart home mecca of of two things um was some smart blinds what i really wanted to happen my like ideal thing is i have the light set on sunrise and sunset timers and one of my lights is is right by my window and as you know during the winter as we're getting towards that way the nights are going to draw in slightly and when that light automatically comes on at sunset if the blind is open everyone can see in the world can see my room not the end of the world but you know hey ho i'm not a home traditionally so it's not even like a oh just get up off your lazy bottom and you know go and pull the blind down what i ideally want is the light comes on the blind automatically goes down that's the pipe dream and it's still kind of a pipe dream at this point went to ikea last 
last week because they, they finally released them in the UK and I picked up the smart blinds. I rushed home, super excited to install them, <laughs> which I waited, you know, two days for. Um, to be fair, Ikea, I don't know if my window is an odd size or Ikea just don't seem to offer them in that many sizes. Ikea say... And I'm going to advise everyone that technically it says you can't cut them down because it's a whole box section of aluminium or aluminum to our friends across the pond. Um, there's several components you have to disassemble and you've then got to cut the blind carefully, he says with air quotes. Um, so it's not advisable. But Ikea come in like it's, it's sizes of uh, tens and I needed like an in-between. So I needed a lot five centimeters off or something. So I did that. Um, so there's no returning them now. So it was definitely a hope and a prayer that they continue working, um, especially for the price you pay. Ooh. Um and the fun started to begin. Actually, this was before they went up. But the fun started to begin. I didn't have any IKEA stuff. So I picked up the blinds. I picked up some of the I forget what they're called. They're the smart switches thing. Literally just power socket. Um IKEA very much pitched them as being light switches. IKEA seemed to do they, they pitched their whole smart thing as lights and blinds. Um but these smart plugs will control anything in theory. Um but what I did realize is to set them up you you need to have what they I forget what they call it. It's like a um a controlling device or something. The idea is that you pair your controlling device, so like a dimmer switch or a, a brightness switch or something for a, for a light that they do. There's several different switch types or a motion sensor. And then you pair that to the control outlet and then you pair that to the hub. Didn't have that. IKEA is a fair trick away, so I had to figure out a way around that. And there was a little trick online actually. If you hold a paper clip in the reset button, it seems to magically uh get the fact that you need a controlling device um so they work great got to the blinds now bearing in mind i had the new hub set up at this point and was really hoping it was gonna be that classic like the same experience i had when i set up hue or the same experience i've had when i've set up other home kit devices where it just sort of worked everything just sort of magically auto discovers everything and everything pairs woohoo happily ever after well, of course, that didn't happen. Um, with the blinds, you get the blinds, obviously. Uh, you get a signal repeater, which isn't obvious that it's it's not, or it is optional, I should say. That it actually works. Like it goes through the whole thing, going, "Thou shall have this plugged in," but it's currently sat on my desk and it works fine uh, without it. And you have the little remote, just a basic up and down remote. You go through the app. The world's most convoluted pairing process is like hold this button, do this dance, basically like you're playing Twister or trying to set up your blinds um it just i i could pair the i got the remote paired to the hub that worked fine and then it all sort of fell apart when the next step is pairing the signal repeater and basically you go over to the signal repeater you you push a button on the hub i think and then you go and hold the remote button down while it's two centimeters away from the signal repeater and then that didn't work and then i think i quit the app and opened it again and it thought or it saw the signal repeater so i was like great i'll move on to the blinds and then there's like this whole press the two buttons on the blinds wait for the light to blink hold the remote hold the pair button on the remote for 10 seconds wait for the light on the blinds to dim and brighten again that never happened must have been trying for about 20 25 minutes at this point gave up for a little bit hit the reset button and hitting the reset button on everything so unpairing everything and starting again seemed to kind of work the second time around um a little bit of trial and error again and here we are and it worked and the blinds go up and down fine timer the timer seems a little off like i've got it set up like a like a sunrise timer or like an alarm clock timer in the morning so it automatically raises the blinds which has worked probably like three out of the six days or something like that like it seems a bit random when it does or doesn't work none of this is the end of the world i'm really hoping that when the home kit support which isn't yet there launches that i can control all of this with apple and i can ditch all of the other apps um the google stuff it doesn't work with amazon's offering i won't say its name uh, which is meant to uh, but they've literally only launched with google support um, that seems to randomly stop working here or there. Um, not really too sure why. Maybe that's just because I don't actually have a Google Home device. I've got a Sonos that has the uh, the assistant built in. Um, yeah, it hasn't. It's been a it's been a rocky start. The one thing I kind of wanted to say is the setup. The was, one thing. The one the thing. One thing. The one thing. Wow. The setup was difficult. I'm sorry, and it was difficult. It was difficult for for me a technically. 
illiterate person. I was willing to persevere through it not working, having to reset it. And I appreciate some of it was potentially user error. And I also appreciate the fact that there's like five things you have to connect. It's not traditionally like a light bulb or something where you're pairing one to one. You're kind of pairing many to one at this point. It just like, I, I couldn't help but sit there through the process going, there is no way that half of the people buying this, if they suffer the same issue, they're just going to return it. Because it just looks like it's broken half the time. Like it just won't pair, things just don't work. Um, so I can't say it's been the best launch for them, especially as the fact they're launching without some of the critical assistance. You know, Amazon's a pretty big one to not launch with. It would have felt probably that I would be saying something different. It was the other way around. Kind of convenient because I have a Google Assistant anyway. Um, the great thing about the Sonos is you can actually go, do you want Amazon or do you want Google? Um, but to not launch with, with, with Amazon feels a little strange. Um, and HomeKit, they've just said, is coming in the autumn which is hopefully kind of october time ikea have been very good on their word beforehand they've had a lot of things launched without home kit they have all then arrived so i i do hold out hope um the one thing that seems super reliable is the switch on the wall so at the very worst i lose all my automation and i just have uh, lazy blinds that i can control from halfway across the room which is not the end of the world if you ask me i apologize for potentially wasting 10 minutes of everyone's time but i just wanted to say that if you're going to buy these fancy new ikea blinds because I believe they're not out in the States yet. So it's kind of like a, a big thing coming that uh, persevere through it. You might be dealing with some tech pain. It might go completely smoothly. Maybe I'm the idiot. I don't know. Is there a manual way to take them up and put them down? Or uh, No. If the battery goes flat, you're not getting them up or down. There is oh. two little buttons by the battery box, which I remind you is at the top of the thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. The irony is it's like, oh, I, sorry, excuse me. I, I can't raise the blinds. I just have to charge them first, which is wow. pretty funny. But to be fair, I'd rather that and then have a cable dangling to a power socket somewhere. I'll have you know, the future is bright or dim if the battery goes flat, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, this 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 is definitely early adopter syndrome um and i mean almost begs the question is it really worth it and i'm not just saying in blinds but that that highlights an issue that could really become a bigger issue going forward when people do try and actually set up and have a smart home technology is technology it's going to fault it's going to flaw it's going to have errors it's going to report bugs it's going to have problems and if everything in your house isn't really working properly then all of a sudden it's just a little bit difficult right i totally agree with you the flip side of that is i will say when it works which is a big when at the moment it is pretty cool to be able to go ahoy google open my blind without moving and your blind magically goes up i'm still at the little kid in a sweet shop phase where i don't know it, it just seems so what's the word for it? it's like oh i'm still in awe that that's a thing that i can do that i can shout into the ether or speak into the ether and magically my blind starts going up like <laughs> that's something that i think you know when you're a kid you're like obviously these are the things i think about as a kid i was a weird child all right um wow <laughs> like it, it's still that kind of ooh new shiny thing um phase for me <laughs> which is definitely masking the it's only working 75 percent of the time but uh yeah, I'm sure I get better. Luckily, all this stuff is uh, you can go into the app and they can push updates and stuff. So fingers crossed. I mean, the fact you took a hacksaw to part of it might have something to do with that, but I'm saying nothing. To anyone who, and I'm not saying anyone should, but if you do want to cut your blinds down, the battery end literally goes in about three inches and it will just pull out. The rest of it is just, it's just a, a extruded bit of aluminium. It's nothing special. For the rest of us, remember to pull your blinds tonight and open them in the morning. The irony is... It's hard work. If an update bricks it, if a battery fails, if I can't get it work, I can't return them. So I'm kind of stuck with them. <laughs> You've left yourself in a bad predicament. Yeah, it's All fine. of blind. We'll build our own. Right. Well, it's something Raspberry. There's nothing Raspberry Pi's can't solve. That's true. That's true. Right, you've taken up what is half of the show so far, talking about blinds. Apologies. And whilst that's very interesting, we'll move to the quick news. Earlier this week, Porsche released its first all-electric sports car, the Taycan, at an event that was simulcasted from three different locations around the world. Leading up to the announcement, the German automaker boasted that a prototype version of the Taycan conquered the legendary Nürburgring Nordschleife racetrack in Germany with a record time of 7 minutes and 42 seconds. Well, not really relevant to your average car buyer, beating the so-called Green Hell racetrack 
is nevertheless an important feather in Porsche's cap as it seeks to market its new model as the fastest and most high-tech EV in its class. I think you can see where this is going. Elon Musk chimed in on Thursday and tweeted that Tesla will be taking a Model S to the famed Nürburgring next week. There's no doubt that this timing is completely coincidental and has nothing to do with the release of another so-called Tesla killer. The critics claim will put Musk's company out of business. Earlier this week, the USB implementation form finally revealed the specifications for USB 4, and it looks like USB will finally catch up to Thunderbolt 3 in every respect. With Julian 40 gig per second transfer rates, power delivery, and continued support for display protocols, single cable computing will soon become the standard. According to the official technical specification, USB 4 will use the same USB Type-C connection we've all grown and at times begrudgingly accustomed to, while offering twice the speed of the current standard. USB 4 is based on Intel's Thunderbolt protocol and will offer 40 gigs per second or 5000 megs per second bandwidth when using compatible USB-C cables. Samsung's first foldable phone has gone back on sale this week after problems delayed its initial release. The Galaxy Fold will be available from the 6th of September in South Korea with a UK launch following on the 18th. The release of the nearly £1,600 device in April was postponed after early reviewers reported broken screens. According to the new site, The Verge changes to the device include reducing the gap between the hinge and display to prevent debris, debris sorry, entering the mechanism, hiding the edges of the screen protective layer under the bezels of the device to hopefully stop users peeling the laminated protection off. And last but not least, adding plastic caps to the edges of the folding display to stop debris getting in. And finally, the world's oldest continuously working webcam is being switched off after 25 years. The Fogcam was set up in 1994 to watch how the weather changed on San Francisco State University campus. It's been broadcasted almost continuously since then, barring regular maintenance and the occasional need for it to be recited to maintain its view. Mr. Schwartz told the SFGate newspaper we felt it was time to let it go, adding it was harder to find secure locations to put the camera so it had a good view of Holloway Avenue. By the way, just as a disclaimer, I was joking about the smart blinds, just in case, just in case I upset you. And you know I'm just jealous. Nope. You know. It's official. I'm just totally upset. (laughs) Speaking of which, Elon Musk is upset. Clearly, um, something's rattled his cage. So the Nürburgring, I mean, is this this Tesla saying, "Mm, here's what we can do? Or is it them just having a bit of fun? Are they trying to prove a point? Or we know it's quick and we know it's electric. Does it? I mm, Okay, right. I don't, yeah. In the petrol slash diesel powered industry, in the normal production car, we'll say industry for years now, more and more so recently, the time you can lap the Nürburgring in has definitely become a, a benchmark let's say if you can get the fastest time if you can boast that you are the fastest production car and it's got to the point where it's like broken down into 50 bajillion categories oh we are the fastest hybrid car we are the fastest saloon car fastest estate yada 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 um just because every car manufacturer wants to put fastest at x y and z on their marketing campaign well porsche have now gone and done uh their uh, their new taycan taycan crash can not really sure um, which ironically, an electric vehicle, an EV, and there's a, you can buy a Taycan, Taycan, Toycan, Crashcan, Turbo, and Turbo S. Work that one out. Um, so they've gone and lapped it, very boastful of the fact, as they would be. And uh, as you can see, the article might have been a bit sarcastic, that the timing could not have been more uh, coincidental, that Elon Musk decided that uh, he was going to go and take a Tesla around. Prove something, I don't know, because I highly doubt they're going to beat Porsche, to be honest, around there. Um, If there's one thing the Model S or any of the Teslas are not known for, it's definitely their handling, um, which is something the Nürburgring definitely requires. For anyone who doesn't know, the Nürburgring um, steeped in a lot of history. It's a racetrack over in Germany. It's a 22... I always forget that it's 22 kilometers or 22 miles. Um, It's about... 
probably your average car does it in, I don't know, around 10 minutes, 8, 9, 10 minutes. Um, kind of ever decreasing. It's been featured on a number of shows. Uh, if any older viewers of Top Gear around, you may remember the trying to get the transit van to lap it in under 10 minute episode. Um, and car manufacturers, like I say, have been using it as a, as a measuring contest for a number of years now. Um, the irony is I was reading on Road and Track uh, later on in this week that the Nürburgring did reach out and have said that Tesla probably aren't going to get a slot because, again, for those who don't know, you or I, anyone could go and take our family car on the Nürburgring pretty much any day of the week. You can just get a pass. Um, it's filled with hundreds of cars every day just driving around. Um, if you want to rent the track exclusively, I imagine the wait time for that is quite some time. I don't quite think Elon, Elon knows he's either not being serious or he doesn't quite know what he's getting into. Mm, yeah. And I- which which almost echoes what Tesla is at the minute. Yes, it's an electric car company, but is it really seriously taken as a true car company? In my eyes, no, and that could be a completely unpopular opinion, but they're not quite there yet. They have fundamental problems which have not been solved yet, and until they are, and I'm not just saying Tesla, every electric car, until those problems are fixed, they are not commonplace and common trend. Yeah, they're cool, and yeah, they're fun, but having a, 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 just a main computer screen in a car and nothing else, number one, is not a car, but number two more importantly probably the functionality of it the range in those vehicles just doesn't match up and that's not something tesla can fix overnight there is the theory that tesla are really not interested in making cars they're interested in getting the battery perfected and selling that technology on to other electric car manufacturers if that's the case that's a smart move but so far they seem interested in making cars who knows the uh the the one thing i would you know like say is i don't think porsche mentioned directly or indirectly tesla once so it does kind of look like like a bit of a guilt complex almost. Mm. And let's be real, which would you rather have? I think the Porsche is about $50,000 more than the top Model S, I believe, which is one that, the one I saw people comparing. But let's be real, would you rather have a Tesla of questionable build quality or would you rather have a Porsche? Because I know for me it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, it's not a difficult question. And anyone who's into cars will say the same thing. And that's the thing. I would think. I think, I don't think Porsche are entering the same market as Tesla. I think Tesla, I hate to say it, Elon, you're in the market below. Porsche are in that next, like, the Taycan looks very much like a Panamera meets a 911. Like, it's Porsche's luxury car. It's like a sports car, luxury car hybrid. Um, and I just don't think the model, any of the Teslas compete in that market. Um, Porsche just don't, Porsche don't exist in that lower end car market. I appreciate the fact you can go and buy a Cayman or whatever for, air quotes, relatively cheap. Um, cheaper than a Model S anyway. But even then, Porsche still has that. They've worked 60 years or whatever it is, 50, 60 years to get that, you know, that brand means something to people. Um, And Tesla have a long way to go to that. And numbers on a page are one thing, but what that name means to people when they walk into a showroom is a whole other thing. And I just think Tesla is not even on the same stratosphere as what the name Porsche means. Um, And that's not to say I think cars aren't status symbols, but you know what I mean. Certain brands regard as cars, tech, whatever, they bring that, not feeling, what's the right word? A name means something, doesn't it? Um, yeah. There's a difference oh, yeah. between... It's a track record. Exactly. There's a difference between... I'm not going to say any car manufacturers because I don't want to offend anyone, but you know what I mean? Okay, there's a difference between buying the cars that me and you own, genuinely, to going into a Mercedes or a, a Porsche showroom or whatever. And I think Tesla sits somewhere in between. I know there are going to be people that disagree with me and I know there are going to be a lot of technology fans that, you know, will just go and put Tesla on that top pedestal because they're Tesla and because tech car company, I don't know. Um, yeah. But I, I've just I've just never looked at Tesla like this. You, you can't, you almost can't take them seriously. Like, the, um, sorry to keep going on. Reading an article last week where, do you remember the first Tesla, the Tesla Roadster looked very much like a Lotus. We're talking probably 10 or 11 years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, well, Tesla of modern day, I think, would like you to believe they don't exist. Um, and this was a car, I don't believe they made that many of them. I think it was in the thousands, but I don't think it was that many. Um, I think it was like 2008 or something like that. And I was reading this article, we're now at this point now, and bearing in mind, battery technology, batteries in cars, especially from that era, but from any era don't last all that long. It's not a combustion engine that with regular maintenance will just keep going at the same performance or relatively. Battery 
batteries, you know, will stop holding charge, will lose performance, etc., etc. Well, the support for those is pretty much nigh impossible to find. And there's like this one guy, I think he's an ex-Tesla employee, that's like maintaining these and, and is finding like he's, I think he's made a template for the roof because it's a retractable kind of soft top, I believe. Um, So he's making people new roofs and whatnot. And it's like, it's kind of funny how Tesla just like dropped this car and it's only 10 years old. And 10 years, 10 years in the tech industry for a phone, fine. You can drop support. You know, you can drop support after four years, I think. 10 years in the car industry, that car's still like, it's it's just out of warranty for some car companies. Like it's, you know, it's still relatively new. And it's these little things that I think Tesla need. And I'm sure they will. I think Tesla need to learn a lot more about and they need to switch. You can't force the car industry to change because the car industry has molded itself to what the consumer wants over a hundred years. Tesla needs to mold themselves to the car industry. I don't think they're going to flip the car industry in its head and mold it the other way around somehow. Yeah, no, they have a long way to go before they leave a bigger print. USB 4 could leave a bigger print, and that is comparing it to Thunderbolt, which was a standard, but it wasn't uh, wasn't that really much of a commonplace standard. And in actual fact, the only main company who really did anything with it was Apple. And you would almost think it was a proprietary connection to Apple. It wasn't. I'm right in saying that, Aaron, aren't I? For some reason, I'm doubting myself. Yeah, from what I understand, or the impression I've always got, it was an Intel-Apple co-development thing in Colossus. Yeah, but yet Apple were really the only company to talk about it at all. And that's the same is Firewire, actually. Apple adopted Firewire in their older machines and used it abundantly. Other manufacturers were hesitant and didn't. So Apple have this problem. They like to they like to change, and, and I think that's just Apple wanting to be Apple, and, and they kind of work that in with their accessories. A lot of them used to be Firewire, then Thunderbolt, you know, the hard drives they sold, and so on. So, essentially, what's happening now, Thunderbolt doesn't have any overhang, I guess, you could say, on USB or any other practice or standard, and so USB 4 is catching up. 40 gig of power, 5,000 uh, megs a second, that's that's just, yeah, that's what we need, and that's, that's more than what we need. What we don't need is a foldable phone, but uh, we'll oversee that. So, uh, Samsung have quickly came to the rescue by adding plastic hinges to your phone, um... What else? Hiding the edges of the protective layer so that you don't peel them off. Uh, yeah, really, we we don't need a foldable phone. Um, and I do. I think Samsung have just wasted more money on fixing something that didn't need to be released in the first place. Sixteen hundred pounds, not going to pay it. I do admire Samsung's quick turnaround and still going ahead with it. I think that was pretty cool. I think there were many of us that expected Samsung to quietly sweep this under the rug and next year announce the Galaxy Fold again as a completely different phone. Um, so I'm actually quite impressed that they're, they're still going ahead with it. I still don't think it will sell well. No. Um, directly or indirectly because of the issues it had, it is still essentially the same phone underneath. Um, it's like the it's the whole iPhone 4 antenna gate uh, where they've just sold you a bumper with it, um, which is basically all they've done. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's an, I, I think it's good to see. Um, I'm glad they, glad they went ahead, regardless of whether we think it's a good phone or not. Good to see, um, but I, I, I still think it was Samsung saying, here's what we can do, rather than rather than here's a product that we're going to sell a lot of, yeah, which I, is fine. And I kind of think if you're going to do that, the not, then the kind of admitting failure at the first hurdle was probably not going to go so well. We have to remember is the phone never officially went on sale. And I think that was the probably the best outcome for it at that point. I imagine there's a lot of phones. I don't know if they've retrofitted phones. Maybe they've just made a new batch. I, I don't know how that's worked. Um, but because it never went on sale, I think the public was slightly saved or Samsung was slightly saved from a quote public disaster not sure how many people are going to buy a 1600 pound foldable phone anyway um but yeah i think it's uh i think it's a good show-off device for samsung now it's a good uh kind of tech platform almost for them mm. yeah fair enough it's it's here's what we can do here's what we're capable of look at us oh we made the headlines twice once in, great once not in before apple announced foldable iphone this week <laughs> and then it becomes the trend uh and then yeah so from 1994 our webcam has just been switched off it's not really great news it's something cool but there's no discussion point we're gonna swiftly move on we're 30 minutes in and we haven't talked about apple and their event it does not look like we're gonna get the last story but we'll see so Apple are holding an event on September 10th. It's going to be an iPhone event. It's going to take place um, 
in the, 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 the name of the place completely chopped my head. Aaron, help out here. I believe it's in the uh, Steve Jobs Theater. Again. Steve Jobs Theater. That's the one. I didn't forget his name. I just thought, forgot what it had been called. Anyhow, um, it's probably synonymous now. September is with iPhones in the tech sphere. And this year's no exception. They're expected to announce three new iPhone models at this event. The iPhone 11 Pro, the iPhone 11 Pro Max, and the iPhone 11. Replacing the 10s, 10x Max, and 10R respectively. And I really do not like that. I think they're overcomplicating it. When's the last time you wanted a Pro Max phone? The, okay, so I know I spoke to you the other day about this and I laughed to you on the phone about that naming structure and I'm still not not laughing at it, if that makes sense. But the one thing I will say is it's a slight, yeah, a slight simplification of the naming lineup. I think having by letter 10R, 10S is a touch confusing for the general public because I don't think you can immediately see the hierarchy of phones. If you just show someone for the first time, if I show my mum the 10R and the 10S, she's not going to be able to tell you which, just by the name, uh, which is the better phone, I should say. Or better subjective, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I think a simplification is fine. And the one thing I will say with the Pro, can't really defend the Mac, but the iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro is that's becoming very reflective of their naming structure across everything. You've got the iPad and the iPad Pro. You've got the iMac and the iMac Pro. MacBook Air, MacBook Pro. Like, it feels like that would be an almost continuation across the product line. I'm clutching at straws here, I know. Um, And Pro gets bandied around in the Apple universe so much now. Um, You go from something like the iMac Pro, which does actually mean Pro, to the iPad Pro, which don't think has a reflection on Pro users at all. And potentially the same with the MacBook Pro. It feels like it's not really a machine designed for Pro. It's just a marketing name um, at the end of the day. And the iPhone will very much be that second category of Pro means a bigger screen or a better screen and a different camera. Um, But I think Pro Max is hilariously laughable in every single way possible. (laughs) It could only be worse if I think with the 10s, 10s Plus, touch of a mouthful, but I think would have worked better keeping that plus naming structure. I don't think Pro Plus would work because that would feel a bit silly. The iPhone 11 PP. I don't know, I just, but I, I just forget the name and structure a minute. Well, no, not forget, but do we need three new iPhones? What that is saying is we're really pushing towards the top end here, but we want to cater for everyone. But I just, it's not Apple. It never has been. And I'm not saying this is the old Apple, the new Apple. This is the post-Steve Jobs era. This is the Tim Cook era. This is now that Johnny Ive's going. I, none of that. It's just I mean, not Apple. It kind of has been for a while, though, hasn't it? Like It has, but do you need to overcomplicate oh, a no. mobile phone? I mean, I, yeah, okay, a laptop. Yes, you do need to offer variations of that because different people have different needs. Some people want something that's a power horse that will absolutely cut through any rendering job you give it. Other people just want to do a Word document edit. So yeah, there is a there's a, a a need for that. It's a mobile phone. Do we really, 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 really need to get down to the nitty and gritty? And more to the point, mobile phones are commonplace in pretty much everyone's pocket. Most people aren't going to, and I'm not being condescending, aren't going to understand the difference because I don't even understand the difference in half of them. And not to say I don't, but you get what I mean. It's just it's not that you don't understand the the, the actual fundamental difference. It's just what is the difference? What what what? It, that's a bigger screen, but okay, maybe an hour better battery life, but they don't do a good enough job of, of identifying what for who. I I think I've said this on the show before. People have asked me, I need to upgrade. What should I get? The 10s or the 10R? And when you actually think about explaining to someone the upsell of the 10s, you're like, it has an OLED display. And the first thing they go is, what's that? Mm. Richer blacks? Like, you know, better, slightly better battery life? Marginal? And they're like, what else? It's got another lens? You can do portrait mode. But the 10R also does portrait mode with one lens. It's got the same chip. It, it's, the, it's the same. I can't really tell you on why you should spend 300 extra pounds on this on this 10S. And I kind of feel like the uh, the Pro is probably going to be much of the same story. I imagine all three are going to come with a similar chip. I imagine they're all. I imagine it's going to be LCD versus OLED again. Um, I don't imagine the uh, the pricing structure is going to change all that much. 
I was reading just this morning, again, the 10R was Apple's top-selling phone of the last quarter. Color me surprised. Not. Um, spoiler alert, people don't want to buy £1,500 phones or £1,000 phones. Like, the 10S starts at £999. I'm sorry, that's too much for a phone. And I believe it only has 64 gigs of storage at that price. I might be wrong on that one. Which is ridiculous. Um, it's like when Apple used to sell you the 16 gig uh, for far too much money. At £1,000, I expect more. And it starts to get to that point where it's like a thousand pounds you can decide between buying a new mac or a new phone um which is a ridiculous comparison no one should ever have to make um it's actually getting to the point where if you buy a mac a top-end ipad and a middle-end phone mid-end you know what i mean um that's like a mid-range mid-range that's like a three to three and a half thousand pound purchase right there (laughs) which is not even the cost Mm. of one mac pro but um it's just nuts oh so it's it's, it's a bargain then isn't it (laughs) yeah but that's how I'm measuring everything now, by the way. Oh, that's 0.7 Mac Pros. Um, <laughs> it's nuts that that's where we're getting to. And I appreciate general costs is going up. We, we've probably like beaten the drum to death about people are hanging on to phones longer. So Apple kind of bumped the price up to reflect, reflect the fact that you're purchasing once every three or four years rather than once every year or every two years, um, which is a fair argument to make, I think. Um, you've gone from spending five or six hundred pounds once every two years to spending a thousand pounds once every four years let's say though the costs kind of add up it again it feels very much like a clutching at straws thing where you're just trying to make an excuse for apple um i have to say going into this event this week i'm i'm interested to see what they do i can't say i've been that excited about an iphone release in a, in a good number of years now i have no plans on upgrading um both mine and your iphones will be turning three years old in a month or so's time um and still going strong i think the any bugs on mine at the moment are because I'm running 13.1 beta, which is kind of to be suspected. And just a side note, 13.1 is already in beta. Bearing in mind 13 is not out. Work that one out. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see what they do design-wise. Judging by the leak uh, cases and whatnot that we always get, it looks to be much the same, but with a like a wider, square camera cutout or recess. No, what's the other way around? Lump bump. Um, so yeah, I'm again. It's another one of those iPhone events where I'm going in more excited about the watch, and even the watch, I don't think is going to be that amazing. They're at a point when they can't do anything overly amazing with them, and that's the thing. Even with the ten or sorry, eleven Pro, eleven Pro Max, eleven whatever, it's. It's the design's largely the same. There's gonna be a few spec boosts, overhaul the camera and so on, but really do we need it? That's the question. Okay, yeah, we can have a slightly better camera and the sensor's better and I mean, hmm, better optical zoom, maybe, but then that's that's technically restricted in a way because of the technical implications. I I don't know. I it just I think and I'm not just saying Apple, I think phones in general at this point. What what else I mean, apart from cooking your dinner or transporting you to, you know, where you need to be, what what else can they do that's really going to make the consumer go, I need that. I'm gonna pay a thousand pounds for that. But I paid a thousand pounds last year, but I'm gonna pay a thousand pounds again this year just because I, I need that. <laughs> I mean, you've basically just described the tech YouTuber community. It's consumerism, um, isn't it? Ah, oh, it's not. I will never understand that nowadays. It's like, what do you mean you need a new Mac every year or a new phone? It's like me and you, uh, you know, people are like, oh, but audio processing, and there's me and you on <laughs> seven and but, eight year old Macs or whatever. Like, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's really. I th- I think it's, it proves a point that I I love technology and and there's nothing more satisfying well maybe there's some things more satisfying but it, it's very satisfying to get a new bit of technology and try out new features and see how things work and, and yeah that's cool when the likes of you and I say no I'm I'm not and, and I held out on my 5 my iPhone 5 until the 7 plus because I, I needed to get a new phone because mine was not lasting half a day let alone a day it already had a battery replaced it was just on the way out that's my plan for the, the, the phone I have at the minute the 7 plus it will last me until it actually ends until it doesn't want to perform its function anymore because I just don't need a new phone. It does everything I need it to do. I can use any app. I can make a phone call. I can text. It'll run iOS 13 perfectly. It takes great photos. Excellent storage capacity. They have no issues at all. See, that's you hit the nail on the head there, and especially when it comes to the camera. I was the same. Admittedly, in between my 5 and my 7, I had the 6. So the upgrade from 6 to 7 was super underwhelming. Um, I went from a 6 to a 7 plus. So I was a little bit like, ooh, bigger screen. Um, but other than that, wasn't a whole lot faster at the time. Okay, Touch ID was twice as fast. That was, that was kind of noticeable. 3 
3D touch. Like, it was really small things. Um, it was faster. It had a little bit more storage. Slightly better camera. Ooh, we got two lenses now. Ooh, exciting. Ooh, <laughs> home button that's not actually a button. Like, it was, like, such little things. And I think that kind of put me off upgrading frequently since then because it's it's such a what's the point? What What's very new? And I think the longer I leave it, it's going to be quite exciting to buy that next phone when everything is different or, as it turns out, not so much different. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head there, especially when you talked about camera. That's the big thing. We were coming from, or we're coming from an era, I think we've long since left that era, probably a good three or four years ago now. Year after year, the technological advancement, especially in things like the camera and speed um, and screen and everything about that, it was vastly better every year, or at least vastly better every two years. Every major generation was significantly better. I go along my kind of shelf of prior iPhones and I pick up the original, take a picture. And then I go pick up the 3GS from two years later and the camera is vastly different. And then 3GS to probably 4 even, which is only a generation 8 or even 4S, vastly different again. And so on and so on. I think until we get past the 6 or 6S, I think the 6S was probably like, not peak iPhone, but that was when it started to slow down. And now I think if you take our 7 and you take the current 10F, and I'm sure if you're nitpicky, you could see a difference in the photos that they take. But I'm mm. sure for the average person, including ourselves, I think that the image quality is a lot less noticeable. And that's what people care about. They want tangible things that are better. The camera is better. It is faster. You know, that type of thing. Going, well, it's a little bit faster when you do X, Y, and Z is not enough. But unfortunately, far beyond Apple as well, for every phone manufacturer, that's where we're at. Every year it's, uh, oh, it comes in a different color and <laughs> it's got of more CPU cycles. Like, that's it. That's where we're at. I think that's... Basically, I think that's what we're going to get on Tuesday. Um, like I said, then if we just want to quickly run through some of the other stuff Go we're ex it. expecting to get. Watch Series 5. Feels oddly quiet on this front. Um, I do expect to see a Series 5. I think many people expect that as well. Um, just seems like this may be a very small update again. No Series 3 to 4 magic again. Uh, rumored of new titanium and ceramic case options. Titanium sounds very interesting. Um, seems like they're going to keep pushing on some health tracking features. We've also heard murmurings of sleep tracking. Um, and obviously with the introduction of sleep tracking, you would have, you would assume battery life and whatnot changes. Maybe we're going to get multi-day battery life. I wouldn't hold your hopes out. Um, but I don't think Apple are going to spend too long on the watch because we already know what the OS looks like. Uh, there's the rumored Apple tag which I think is something that's quite interesting, something new. Uh, rumors have been swirling for months that Apple is working. It's on, on its own Tile-esque Bluetooth tracking tag. Um, I think we heard kind of murmurings of this and we thought we might hear something at WWDC. Um, there's plenty of evidence, both circumstantial, like Apple's rebrand of the Find My App, and blatantly obvious, like the leak code in iOS 13 explaining how the feature works. Now, Apple's iteration is said to use AR to help you find your lost items, which could be an interesting twist on the formula. And given that products like Tile rely on a local network of hardware to find lost items, the sheer number of iPhones in the world could give Apple a very solid foundation to build off. Uh, next up, new Apple TV hardware. I've been hearing that this might be their, their one more thing. Uh, it doesn't sound like it'll be anything big. Maybe just a processor bump kind of to match what the iPhone gets. Um, to potentially keep up with the launch of Apple Arcade that's coming up later this year. Uh, software, we already know what's coming. We've got iOS 13, which at the moment forever feels like it's going backwards. We've seen a bunch of features stripped out of iOS 13 and have gone into the 13.1 beta. Bearing in mind, iOS 13 is not out. Very weird circumstances going on with that at the moment. Uh, it very much feels like uh, the iPhone's going to launch with 13 and then a week later, 13.1 will come out. Yeah. Very odd. Uh, iPadOS, watchOS 6, tvOS, HomePod, and obviously Mac macOS. Um, been hearing or been reading about developers' experience with macOS. Obviously, we're getting Catalyst, which is the run iOS apps on the Mac 
type thing or platform. Uh, been hearing some very interesting things. Sounds like Apple are in no way ready to launch any of this, or it looks like Apple are struggling with their own first party app. Basically, I saw someone say, because this week we haven't got it as a show note, uh, Apple launched the beta for their Apple Music web platform. And some of the very early comments were, this beta web app platform is more stable than their new music Catalina app, which is not great. Um, don't expect much else software-wise. Obviously, that's kind of what uh, WWDC was about. Uh, services, hopefully we'll hear a little bit more about uh, the new TV offering and maybe even arcade as well. Obviously, we don't know any pricing or release date yet. We've been getting more and more actual trailers in between when they showed it off last event and now so hopefully we'll get something even if it's just a date um i can picture this all going live at once i you can download ios 13 sign up for tv plus and buy your new apple tv all at once but judging how things are going maybe not um i'd at least like a price um and if they're going to do some kind of roll in all in one subscription i get music tv icloud drive all in one that would be good to go last but by no means means least um this is very much uh reaching targets i think we've got the ever arriving 16 inch macbook pro um maybe a bit more about the mac pro and its release date um and then is there going to be one more thing are we going to get a new home pod are we going to get noise cancelling airpods other branded headphones any kind of is air power coming back we don't know um so there's a few things to be excited about i don't think it's going to be a revolutionary event. I think everyone hopes for every year. I don't picture there being any iPad. Um, the iPad seems to be on a different cadence now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to watch it. I'm going to tune in. They're actually streaming it live on YouTube for the first time ever on Tuesday, which is very new for Apple. Traditionally, it's been Apple devices only. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to tune in, going to watch it. Hopefully we get something good. And obviously we will be talking about it next week. We'll only let you watch our live stream on our own devices. So those who don't have them can't figure out why they would want them. It is Logical. weird. It's uh, in the early days of their streaming, you could go. It, it only used to work on Safari. Yeah. You, you tune into Apple.com and it would go, you're not using Safari. Even if you're on a Mac, by the way, it would still go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, no, you need to use Safari. Yeah. And then they slowly, you know, as these devices started to exist, um, the Apple TV got better at it. Um, it started to appear on the iOS apps and it was still Safari only. Um, so it's actually good to see. I, I bet it is still safari only by the way but it's youtube and safari only um because that feels like the apple thing to do speaking of youtube and speaking of apple that blends into google and apple and this week apple have hit back at google they're angry uh, Google made claims uh, and it actually disclosed a large-scale hacking effort that said it targeted users of Apple devices. It was a bit of a bombshell story. But now Apple's gone on the attack, angry in public and absolutely incensed in private at what is being seen as something of a stitch-up. Google's standing by its research. In a statement posted on Friday, Apple took issue with Google's characterization that it was a broad attack on all iPhone users. Quote, Google's post, issued six months after iOS patches were released, creates the false impression of mass exploitation to monitor the private activities of entire populations in real time, stoking fear among all iPhone users that their devices had been compromised. This was never the case. Apple's bone of contention isn't so much about what Google's Project Zero team included in its report, rather Apple's upset about what was left out. The view from Cupertino isn't that Google's business interest in China led it to pull back on describing the attack as being targeted at the persecuted Uyghur community. They say the sophisticated attack was narrowly focused, not a broad-based exploit of iPhones in mass, as described. The attack affected fewer than a dozen websites that focus on content related to the Uyghur community. The perspective is backed up by independent research from uh, Vloxity, a cybersecurity firm based in Washington, D.C. It published a report earlier this month looking into the same threat. It stated unequivocally that it was this community targeted, detailing 11 sites that have been used to carry out the attack. Most notably, the report states that as well as iOS, Google's own mobile operating system, Android, was also targeted. A detail that was ironically and conveniently missing from Google's research. Google exists, or sorry, insists it no or did not know that Android was affected, but it's well aware how it looks. <laughs> There's a few perspectives you can take on this, I guess. The first one would be why six months later, right? Yeah, and I I, I can see why Apple are a little bit peeved off. Um, again, I think everyone has to make it clear. 
Apple are not Apple are not saying Google's discovery, Google's publication of any of this is wrong or it's what they have mm. a problem with. As you say, yeah. what they have a problem with are small minor details that could be considered pretty large details for a company like Apple that have been accidentally or intentionally left of the report. I love the way this is Google's Project Zero team, which I believe is a kind of internal security team that basically they look at this stuff and they try and discover exploits and things like that. Um, I, I can't believe that they would go, didn't know Android was affected. Like, come yeah. on, you you did. You knew better than that. Um, and the ironic thing is, I think when you read through all this stuff, it's like, it sounds like if Google had just said that Apple had fixed this and it wasn't widespread, that Apple wouldn't have a problem. Um, I think it very much led to the... It, it led to some questionable headlines for some tech websites who clearly didn't do their research very well. Um, and same in the YouTube community. Um, to get, It felt very much like a clickbaity thing. Mm. Um, and it was very much presented to the public like a here and now thing, whereas in reality it was fixed back in February, I believe, and it was very targeted at that time as well. Um, and flip side is... I think this kind of blew up and disappeared. And I think Apple kind of made it worse by fighting back. But I also kind of think they needed to. Yeah. I mean, it was it was quite convenient that Google didn't mention anything about the fact that their phones were open to the same vulnerability. And the way in which Google said it, yeah, you could probably interpret that it seems to be, a, as Apple said, in mass attack, when really that was not the case. Yes, it was available and it was publicly potential or there was the potential there for anyone in the public to to sort of be exploited or be hacked but the same went for android users and it was only on i say only but really it is only on 11 websites surely there's bigger problems and bigger fish to fry no i mean this whole thing feels like it's gone a little bit out of proportion it's very odd or it's very unusual for apple to announce or put up press releases on their newsroom and especially press releases pertaining to i guess what potentially should be a relatively small story especially as this stuff is fixed if it wasn't fixed this is a different conversation entirely um but i, I just think it, it's so on one side it looks bad from google it looks very kind of especially as they don't include the fact that it affected android as well it looks very attacky on apple on the flip side from apple's point of view it looks very it looks too defensive like it mm. looks too tit for tat kind of thing um, i don't know what the word for it is but um apple have to keep up that image of, of privacy and what I have to remember is when they go through stuff like this, this makes that image of privacy look more like a selling point, like a, they're trying to sell you a picture of privacy rather than actually selling you privacy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think Apple has to be very careful before launching into these, oh no, but she said type thing, attacks back at them. Um, it's, it's The whole thing's very odd, like it's very un-Apple like to, to air grievances in public or very un-Apple of the past, I should say, to air grievances in public. But I guess Apple needs to get out ahead of it. And if they can get facts straight, then people don't get things wrong. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. They had a corner to fight and they fought it. Um, and distasteful of Google, you, you could potentially argue. I mean, there's nothing distasteful about pointing out a security vulnerability because that's doing the right thing. But it's the way in which you do it. And I guess Apple were just peeved because Google painted Apple in a bad light when really it affected Android devices too. So, an awkward one to be in. That does it for episode 479. We didn't quite get on to what was going to be the final story, that half of parents want mobiles banned in schools. That will carry on to next week. It's an interesting discussion nonetheless. And of course, we'll have loads to talk about in regards to Apple and their event, which will be taking place next week on the 10th. Until then, you can find more episodes over at munchtech.tv and, of course, our interview with Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, over at munchtech.tv forward slash woz. And if you're listening on your mobile device, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile for our book on how to start your very own podcast, podcastassist.com for that. Thank you so much for listening to episode 479. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, have a great, safe and enjoyable time and we'll see you next week on 480. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.